Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. Why are there so many Jews everywhere? Don't don't get excited. Not going Louis Farrakhan on you. 
Why are there Jews everywhere, all over the world? I mean, you have to understand that that religion, more than, I mean, look, I'm no religion expert, but more than any I can think of, more than any I've read read into, has a central location to it. And it ain't New York City. It ain't Poland. It ain't Germany. Not Russia. It is Jerusalem. It is the land of Israel. So why, oh why, are they everywhere else? Well, I'm about to tell you why. You see, ancient Rome was a different beast. They did things, and I'm going to speak admirably about ancient Rome today. Why? Because I think they're freaking awesome. And I realize you can go down the oh, did you? they did this, and they massacred these people. Shoot, I'm going to tell you about them massacring people today that I like. And it's still impressive. Now, it's, it's impressive because I'm not the one being nailed to a cross. But it's still, as you've probably noticed by this point, There's a consistent theme with me, and that's two things, and the two things tie into each other. One, I admire daring and greatness, always. I admire it, and two, this one ties in, two, I don't judge people who do daring great things because they're kind of pieces of crap. Because I assume most of us, I certainly know I am, can be pieces of crap. And if I have to be a piece of crap, sometimes, Lord willing, not too much, then I would like to add some great things with it. I mean, they're not going to be carving the crappy things I've done on my tombstone. I'd like there to be something cool on there. People ask me all the time why I have done so much stuff in my 38 years. I actually interviewed a congressman on my TV show yesterday, and his people had looked me up. I'd never talked to him before. And he gets on the show, and he said, I've looked into your background. My goodness, you've done some stuff. And I said, yeah, I've been around. (laughs) But that's why. I'm going to die one day. I look, I guess you could call it morbidly at virtually everything in my life from the perspective of my deathbed, which I'll be laying on one day. And I always do things as in, what decision am I going to wish I've ma- I made at that time? So I admire the Romans because the Romans did stuff, well, gosh, stuff like that I'm about to tell you about today. Now, the Romans, as they began to conquer the area of the Mediterranean, and then they reached the height of their power, and then they started to come down from that height a little, they still had a way they handled foreign occupation as a general rule. And I say general rule because if you tested them, they would most definitely make an example and make an exception for you in particular. And their general rule was simply this. And most of the huge, successful empires throughout history actually had this in common. 
everybody from the Mongols to the Achaemenid Persians, Rome, and it was this. We're going to take you over. Yes, you're going to send out your armies. Yes, we're going to beat them up because that's what we do when the Roman legionaries were just, gosh, legendary. But once we're done with all that, and of course, we're going to have to crucify some of your leaders and stuff. And Oh, by the way, your women, they're all going to be slaves, and you did not want to be a female slave in the ancient world. I do not need to elaborate on that for you. But once we're done with all that, you can have your area. We're not here to make your area Rome. We don't want to make your area Rome. You can stay Israel. Please stay Jerusalem. That's all good with us, baby. You can shoot. You can have your temple. Worship your God. Yahweh. Yeah, that's fine. But you're going to pay Roman taxes. When we want troops, you're going to give us troops. And we're going to put a governor in charge of your area. Yes, you can even have your king. By all means, have your king. That's fine. Do whatever you want to do. But our our governor is still going to be calling the shots around there. Our Roman troops we have there, they're not going to be paying for meals while they're in town. But I should also clarify, now I'm sure there were many, many, many abuses of this, In general, if you were a good soldier about it, if you said, all right, we're beaten, send in your governor, we'll pay our taxes, life wasn't that bad under Roman rule. Because it's Roman rule. You have the most powerful nation in the history of the world pretty much watching your back. I mean, it was, it did go both ways. Yeah, you're paying taxes, and it sucks. And, I mean, we have their governor here. That sucks. It's not ideal. But uh, guess who's not getting invaded anytime soon? Us. <laughs> never hurts Never hurts to have a gigantic beast standing right behind you when you're negotiating with people. I mean, if you have a problem, I have the Romans right here. You can talk to them about it. Which brings us to the Jews. Now... Allow us to backtrack just a little bit. About 600 years before Christ, a little longer than that, but we're not going to go into it, the Jews had the temple. The temple built by King Solomon. You remember, those of you who've read your Bible, you godless savages, Solomon builds the temple because David had a bit of blood on his hands. King Solomon builds the table for God. And this was not, I mean, you remember, at least uh, I hope you remember, this is not a small thing for people, for Israelites, for Jews. It's not a small thing at all. That temple was the dwelling place of the Most High God. Now, I realize your church is important to you. Mine's important to me. That's good. It should be important. I'm not saying it shouldn't. But importance of that particular building doesn't come close to the importance of the temple for Jews. That's a big deal. You get stoned just stepping the wrong way, way around that bad boy. It's a big deal. And the Babylonians rise. One of the ancient powerful civilizations. And this is, again, it's in the Bible. It's in the history books. We know this for a fact. 
the Babylonians come in, round up all the Jews, destroy the temple, and haul the Jews off. Not not a great time to be a Jew. Then the Achaemenid Persian Empire rises. You know those Persians? The ones you saw from the bad guys from the movie 300 with the Spartans? They didn't really look like that with the bald dude and the thrones and the weird monsters and stuff like that. Especially when they were rising, the Achaemenid Persian Empire for their day was actually pretty reasonable. Very, very reasonable. Remember what I said they shared in common with the Romans? They, I mean, shoot, they dang near pioneered that. You do what you do, we'll do what we do thing. And Cyrus the Great, leader of the Persians, had an idea. Hang on. Listening to the Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome. I feel like a million bucks today. I bet you would like to feel like a million bucks today. Well, I have the solution. I know that sounds cliche, but really, you do need to get an ebb sleep. That's the reason I feel good. I, I just, you know, I'm in the middle of this show today, and I feel like I'm speaking more clearly. I'm thinking more clearly than I really ever have at any point in time in my adult life because I'm sleeping eight hours a night again. And it's not its not a miracle pill. You know, there's no magic solution for things. This is a wearable device that actually targets the reason you can't go to sleep. It targets those thoughts that go racing through your head, puts cooling on your forehead to calm your mind. Give it a try. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Don't forget to use the promo code jesse at checkout. Get 25 bucks off. Cyrus the Great leads the rise of the Achaemenid Persian Empire. And again, he had that Roman philosophy before it was a Roman philosophy. And it basically said, okay, yeah, we're taking over, but you do you. Pay your taxes, send your troops, you do you. And as such, he told the Jews, hey, you want to go back to Israel? Have a nice day. Pretty good day to be a Jew, right? And they head on back, and they begin to rebuild things there. Now, at some point in time, they begin to rebuild the temple there. Again, not a small deal. Not a small deal at all. This is not, and I am in no way putting down your church or my church, this is not like that new church being built on the corner. I cannot stress this enough. It is the dwelling place of God in physical form to them. It is a big, big deal. They begin to build it. All good, right? Life is good. 
Not really. You see, the Persians may have been a bit more hands-off, so the Jews were okay, but the Romans come in eventually, and they start looking at, you know, Jerusalem, and they think to themselves, well, that's going to go ahead and be ours. And there's a bunch of fighting involved. I can't go over all of it. But long story short, the Romans take over, and they do the Roman thing. They love where Jerusalem is, which strategically... It's in just a wonderful place. They love where it is, and it's for them, for the Roman world, it's right in between their world and the Parthians, and the Parthians have been a thorn in the side of the Romans for a long, long, long time. Let's take a quick pause there, the Parthians. You remember all those Mongol stories I've told you about the horse archers and the absolute just nightmares they gave armies trying to fight them, how Genghis Khan took over the world with them. The Parthians are those people. They're just those people from that Asian steppe, and that's what they did. They were entirely mounted on horseback, meaning their armies were extremely fast. They fired extremely powerful bows. They would run away and turn around as they're running away because you thought they were retreating and you chased them. And they would shoot you running away from you. The Mongols, of course, did this too. The Parthians invented it. It's actually called the Parthian shot. Now, I don't know if they invented it when you go to something that ancient. But they're credited with inventing it. We're we're talking Romans led by Crassus. Crassus, who was one of the contemporaries of Julius Caesar. Some people say he's the richest man to ever walk the earth. An extremely wealthy, powerful Roman at some point in time thought he was missing only one thing on his resume. That was military conquest. He takes 10,000 legionaries into Parthia and none of them come back, including Crassus, who got to watch as the Parthians rode around his formation with Crassus's son's head on the end of a pike. That's before they finished off Crassus too. So the Parthians are a problem and have been a problem. The Romans can't get a hold of them. They're excellent fighters. They live in this crappy arid desert area. So we need a little buffer zone, and Jerusalem looks just all right by me. So Romans do what Romans do. They put a governor overseeing the whole area. Uh, the Jews can have their king. Okay, you want this Herod guy? That's fine. You Maybe you've heard of Herod once or twice. Yes, that Herod. Yeah, sure. Have Herod. Fine. He'll do, he'll do what he's told anyway. You can have your king. It's all good. We are going to have our governor in charge. You remember Pontius Pilate from the Bible? Maybe, maybe you can remember him having just a little bit of significance there and pretty much the most important event in human history. Yeah, that that was a Roman. He was the governor in charge. He was the man deciding things. That's why he washed his hands of it and said, Hey, Jews, I'm out. You want to kill Jesus? Kill Jesus. I'm out on it. I'm not involved anymore. See, it's all weaving together now, isn't it? Now, I mentioned Herod. Besides trying to kill little baby Jesus, Herod also was constantly worried about revolt from his own people because uh, it wasn't just... It wasn't just that Herod was unpopular in the Jesus household. Herod sucked. He was not he was not a good person. 
not a good king. Even in historical relevance terms, he was not a good person. And Herod knew this. And there's this place called Masada in the area. Don't get ahead of me if you know where I'm going. And you can Google image Masada right now. And I almost want you to right now as long as you're not driving. M-A-S-A-D-A for those of you unaware. It is strategically maybe the best place I have ever seen in my entire life. Picture this. Picture this for those of you driving. I know you can't look right now. You have the Dead Sea off to the side. The Dead Sea's below sea level, significantly below sea level, by the way. And then there's this pretty flat kind of sloping ground. And all of a sudden, boom, like it was placed by God. There's this gigantic plateau with sheer rock walls shooting up. If you're standing, and remember this, this is going to matter. If you're standing at the bottom of Masada, looking up to the top of Masada, it's 1,300 feet to the top of sheer rock wall. It's just gigantic plateau with one and only one route to it. They call it the snake path, which is so narrow in some places, only one man can get through it. And Herod, who was no dummy, decides, you know, at some point everyone's going to try to kill me. I'm going to fortify this place. And he fortified it. Walls, I believe there were two castles up there. Just in case, just in case, anybody revolted and he had to bail. So Herod builds it, builds it. Then when Jesus is four, Herod dies, the year four. Herod keels over. Now, well, the Romans and the Jews are not mixing well. And this is rare, actually, again, for the Roman Empire. Because the Jews are different. The Romans, once they slaughtered enough of the Gauls, and they slaughtered, I mean, gosh, a million of them. Once they slaughtered enough of them, the Gauls kind of came around. Most people came around, especially because the Romans would let, let you pretty much practice your religion. I mean, look, it's Rome. Yes, I'm a Gaul. I like being a Gaul. I'm proud of my tribe, but... These Romans have running water, and I've got to tell you, the wife smells a lot better since we found that. Wow, these Romans have a powerful army. We haven't been invaded since they've been here. Life under Rome wasn't bad, which is why most people came around. The Jews did not come around. The Jews do not come around in many cases, for a lot of reasons. Reasons it's time for us to talk about. One of the main ones is they do not look at your king as their king. That is a big, big, big deal. And in fact, a lot of the things that you want them to do, things that may sound innocent to you, are flat-out sacrilege to them and could send them to hell. That's a problem. Hang on.
Boomer Naturals has face masks. Lots of them. And here, this part is important. I was in the store the other day. I've told you this story before. And I saw a lady had a face mask on. That's fine. You know me. I'm all about freedom, right? You want to wear one? Don't want to wear one? That's your business. Some of you have to wear them. But the lady had her daughter with her. And the daughter had on a face mask that was up to her eyes. I'm not exaggerating. Up to her eyeballs. If you're going to have your child wear a mask, at least get your child a mask that fits. Boomer Naturals, they have adult masks and kid masks, and good ones too. 30-day face masks that give you 92.2% antibacterial protection. That is incredible. And they have many, many other great products too. Go to BoomerNaturals.com and use the code JESSE20 at checkout. Get you 20% off. Again, the code is JESSE20, BoomerNaturals.com. Now, you're in Jerusalem, you got your temple, but you have a major, major issue with the Romans because the Roman coins have what on them? Anybody want to know? Who's brushed up on their New Testament, everybody? Caesar. That is a big deal for a lot of people in Jerusalem. You remember what Jesus had to say about it. Even he tried to calm them down about it. He's like, whose picture's on the coin? Render under Caesar what is Caesar's, and God what is God's. Jesus didn't even think it was a big deal. However, it was a very, very, very big deal to many people. There were just cultural clashes there, look, that were insurmountable. And there were... Many, many rebellions. And then there were bigger rebellions and bigger rebellions. And the Romans were, and this was hard for them to believe. They, they write about it. It's hard for them to even wrap their minds around. They have a hard time getting a handle on these daggone people. What is with these Jews? They go, they decimate them. Punish them severely as Romans do. You know how Romans do it. You remember Spartacus from the Third Servile War? When they when they just lined the road for 100 or 200 miles. I forget what it was with crucified people. Romans knew how to send a message. We're going to take care of this crap right now. Only the crap never seems to get taken care of with these stack on shoes. And there were... It's not as if every single Jewish person at this time was, was committed like that. I mean, some were just like, hey, man, pay the taxes, chill. It's all good, right? And some were, all right, pay some taxes, but it's a problem. And then you had the Sakaris. The Sakaris, well, if that name sounds familiar, the Mexican and Colombian cartels, there's assassins, they call them Sicarios. This comes from this word, Sicari. And what the Sicaris were, were a completely separate element of, I mean, there's not a nicer way to put it, terrorists. You can call them super commandos, but when I say terrorists, I don't just mean they went around assassinating Romans. 
although they did that a lot, <laughs> a lot. Uh, they went around and assassinated Jews, too, a lot of them. If they thought you were getting a little too cozy with the Romans and you were a problem and they wanted out of this whole thing, they would knife you and they would knife you in broad daylight so everybody could see it. Which brings us to a siege of Jerusalem. The Romans have freaking had enough of these people. It is time to go down, kick some butt, take some names. This is happening under Emperor Nero. Does that name sound familiar at all? I thought so. 60, 70, 80, that era. There you have a siege of Jerusalem. Remember when I said the Sicarii were terrorists? I mean, they're really, really cool, but they really were terrorists. Do you know what they did while Jerusalem was holding out against the Romans? And the Jews at this point, I want you to understand this. Romans, by their own admission, said it. These people could brawl. They won several engagements against the Romans. Won engagements against the Romans. Now, not major pitched battles. No Jewish army at this point was going to stand up against a bunch of uh, a bunch of Roman legions and win. You're just, I mean, that's that's the New England Patriots playing your local high school team. That's not going to happen. the 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 Jews did. They weren't trained well enough. They didn't have the equipment. They didn't. And this Roman army at this time. They kept them fighting all the time because it kept them busy. It kept money coming in. When you have a standing army as a general rule in history, you have got to keep it fighting or disband it or you have problems. Big ones. So Romans kept them fighting. So these Romans are pros. But they cannot take Jerusalem for a while. And it's a pain in the rear end. And a lot of the Jews inside the city, you know what it's like under siege, or at least you know what I've told you about it. Think about it. You wake up every single day. Maybe your maybe your boy, he's eight years old. Curious little sucker he is. Maybe he runs down to the wall every single day and pokes his head over. And you live every single day of your existence with the knowledge They either have to give up this siege of us or we have to break out and defeat them, which we can't do. Or they are eventually going to take this city. And when they take this city, they are going to kill every man, woman, and child in here. The ones they don't kill will probably want to die with how they end up. The men will be crucified or sold into slavery The children will be sold into slavery. Child slavery was a big deal then. The women will also be sold into slavery and a much different kind of slavery. You know what I'm talking about. We don't talk about it enough in the ancient world when we talk about the individual lives there. Because everything just blends together. But think what that would be like. You're a young mother in Jerusalem. You wake up every day, look at your kids, and you know how it's going to end for them. You know how it's going to end for you. You know that inevitably, basically, you are going to be marched past your husband who's hanging on a cross while you're in chains with your kids in chains behind you. That's the ones the Romans didn't murder when they, when they came in the city. That sounds a little dark, I'm sorry, but 
it's important to put yourself in that mindset. What would that be like? What would that be like to live every, think of your city, think of your town. Now picture a big wall around it and the worst, miserable, mass destructive hordes sitting there trying to batter their way into your city and ravage you every day. God, the stress. I mean, you and I talk about stress and it's not as if we're not stressed. I'm not, I'm not trying to put down whatever you're going through. People have real problems. Shoot, I have lots of them. But doesn't that put a new perspective on stress? Does that C- minus your kid got in chemistry matter that much now? Think about it, right? It helps me. That's part of the reason I tell you these stories, because I read these stories, and it helps me keep my life in perspective. Every time producer Chris screws something up on the show, which let's be frank, it's a lot. I can't get myself that mad about it, can I? Life ain't bad. Life ain't bad. Now, back to the siege of Jerusalem. Remember when I called the Sakaris terrorists? Granted, I love them. They were kind of cool, but they're terrorists. They sabotaged the city's food supply when they found out some of the Jewish leaders were negotiating a surrender with the Romans. The Sakaris flat out sabotaged the food supply so they wouldn't surrender. (laughs) No, no, no. We're not surrendering. If anything, we're breaking out. Let's brawl it out, baby. And the Sakaris never surrendered anywhere. Now, remember, Jews do not believe in suicide. This is not like the Japanese who we talked about yesterday or, or the Romans themselves. Suicide is a major, major, major sin in the eyes of God to the Jews. So the Sakaris would find ways to kill each other, but they did not surrender. They would never submit. They never wanted to be slaves. And that that's going to be important here in just a second. So... The Romans eventually do take Jerusalem and that second temple the Jews got to build. The Romans burnt it to the ground. Almost completely destroyed. You know why I say almost? Do you know the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, the Prayer Wall you see the Jews praying at, that people go pray at when they visit Israel every day. Do you know why that wall is so sacred? That's the last remaining part of that second temple the Romans burnt down. Hang on a sec. Jerusalem falls, only there's a holdout. They're not quite all gone. You remember that Masada place I told you about, King Herod fortified? The Romans put a garrison of 700 people up there. Might as well, have, it's a sweet fortress, let's get some dudes up here. Well, the Sakari thought to themselves, you know, that is a nice fort you have there. It appears you have lots of food there. It appears there's natural water there, including cisterns for us to catch rainwater. 
I think we'll go have a little visit rather than surrender because the Sakari don't surrender. And the Sakari made their way on up to Masada, slaughtered the Roman garrison there. The Sakari moved in their wives and their children and basically dared the Romans to come get them. Now you are the Romans. You're down there putting down a rebellion for these people who have been a thorn in your side since you freaking took over the place. And plus, it's just not the Roman way to walk away. So the Romans decided, no, 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 no. You're going to have to leave. Come on down out of that castle. And, well, they were dealing with the Sakari who said, no, nah, I don't think we will. Actually, you can come get us. Well, remember... This is a fortress unlike unlike many I've ever seen. If you want to talk about the easiest places to defend ever. Again, I would encourage you to Google image search it. Siege at Masada or just Masada will probably be enough. You can see what I'm talking about. Now, let me sidestep for a moment. We took a trip to Europe last summer. No, I'm not rich. It's the only time I've ever been to Europe. But I have always wanted, as you can imagine, to see the history of the place. And what I really, really wanted to see was castles, fortifications, because they still exist there. Yes, I dragged my poor wife along who wanted to go shop and spend money to castles so I could see moats and torture chambers. Yes, it is a very difficult life being with me. I understand that. But... When you just hear people like me tell stories about it, and when you read about it, or even when you look at pictures about it, it can be difficult to put yourself in the shoes of somebody else. But when you're there, when you're physically standing on the same ground defenders and offenders have stood on, it's different. It is shocking. This one castle, I will never forget it. This one castle we went to, it had a moat around it that was still there. Now, contrary to popular belief, which sucks, they didn't fill the moats with crocodiles and water, which I have always thought would be really, really cool. However, that is not historically accurate. Europe is far too cold to have crocodiles live. I want to believe the ancient Egyptians somehow used crocodiles in self-defense since the entire empire was built along the Nile and the Egyptians were just wild. Not just the women shaving all their body hair thing. I mean, wild. I bet you they used crocodiles. And even if they didn't, in my mind they did, and that's really what's important. But there weren't crocodiles in this moat. The moat was essentially this. You have sheer walls of a castle or a fortress Well, you know at some point they have to physically approach these walls. This is before the era of the B-52 bombers. Somebody is going to have to physically approach the walls and either smash through them or cross over the top of them. So what's a really, really, really easy way you can make that person's life a living hell? Dig a massive ditch around the outside of the wall. 
meaning when they're approaching the wall with their various equipment and armor and battering rams, they can't just walk up a nice gradual grassy knoll until they get to the base of your wall. They have to go down into this massive ditch and then up the steep side of the other ditch. When you picture yourself in 70, 80 pounds of armor trying to lug siege equipment up there, trying to build ramps, dig ditches, trying to haul a battering ram up there. Oh, and did I mention they're pouring scalding hot pitch that melts your skin off your face when it lands you? They're pouring that on you from the walls when they're not firing arrows into you. Very, 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 very difficult. Why do you think sieges were so popular in ancient times? Because they couldn't get through the walls. Or you couldn't get through the walls without taking such massive losses, the whole frigging war wouldn't be worth it. No, let's just... I guess we'll wait out here till they go hungry. I'm not going in that ditch. Are you going in that ditch? I'm not. Go screw yourself. I'm not going in the ditch. Well, that's what the Romans found themselves in. And see, that's a, that's a problem if you're the Romans. One, you have Roman pride. You can't just let this go. Two, um, how are we supposed to starve and, and starve these people to death and get them to die of thirst when they're loaded with the food stores we put up there and they have a never-ending supply of water? You're telling me we have to take that fortress? Hang on. Protect my car can save you an absolute fortune. And I've told you this. That $600 truck bill I got, that hurt. And it hurt not because it was my monthly bill. It hurt because it was a repair I didn't see coming. And I don't know about you. I don't always have $600 laying around. I can just toss into my truck anytime it feels like taking a dump on me. Protect my car. If you have a 1999 car, truck, or SUV or higher, there's somebody you need to get a hold of right now. You need to take that from me because there's a chance your car repairs, engine, transmission, other, other stuff too can be a thing of the past. Paying for them sucks. Stop doing it. Dial star, star, one, two, four, four, star, star, one, two, four, four, and find out if you qualify. I hope you do. Protect my car. The Romans have got to find a way to end this siege. Now, how are you supposed to do that? You've seen the Google image pictures by now or not. You've heard me describe them. You are staring 1,300 feet above you before you even get to the walls of Masada itself. You have the cliff walls and you cannot take the path. 
What are you supposed to do? And remember, this is not the touchy-feely 2020 era where you can just send a message to the boss and say, hey, man, this is way too hard, and they're not using my preferred pronouns. I think I want to come home now. I'm offended. That This is not that era. You know, as the, as the Roman general, you find a way to take down this fortress, or you might as well commit suicide right then and there. It's that important. So you have to come up with a solution. What's that solution going to be? Well, it's actually really cool. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. How do you get to the top of a 1300 foot sheer wall? If you're a Roman, well, you do what Romans do. You build something. And that's really the lasting great thing about Rome. Well, there were other great things, mind you, but their lasting greatness is their feats of engineering. I mean, have you have you ever looked at a river? And I know I'm probably weird in this, but I bet you'll do it now, now that I bring it up. Have you ever looked at a river, a large river, and thought to yourself, I wonder what it takes to build a bridge across that? Or you've seen a bridge being built across the river and thought, gosh, that looks brutal. I mean, not the top part necessarily, although that's a big pain too, but the peers in everything I, it's it's how you've got to di- what divert the water you have to drill down into it with today with modern technology and i was in construction now granted we didn't do bridges and stuff like that but i was in construction and i still would look at the building of bridges and think to myself that looks like an ordeal man that looks like an ordeal. How long has it taken your local construction crew in your area to build that overpass they've been working on? Right? It takes a lot. The piers, and then they're building it out, and then they have to It looks like a Julius Caesar, pre-Christ, built a bridge across the Rhine River in nine days. It's so absurd. That I honestly, it's one of those things that's so unbelievable, part of me doesn't find it believable. Nine days. Nine days. Not a single piece of construction equipment. No modern technology at all. 
nine days built a bridge across the Rhine. And then once he marched his army across and slapped around a bunch of Germans because they were misbehaving, he marches them back across the Rhine and rips up the bridge as a gigantic F.U. to say, I can come back and build it again any daggone time I want. And he says, peace, and walks away. He built an elevated bridge 30 feet wide, 700 feet long. In nine days? <laughs> it's not it's not possible. It's not possible. I can't wrap my mind. And that's what Romans did. The great Dan Carlin, which if you geek out on history, which let's be frank, if you're listening to my show, it's some part of you enjoys history. Dan Carlin does history podcasts better than anybody else. He redefines it, and he talks a lot about Romans because you cannot talk about history without talking about the ancient Romans. And when he talks about Roman soldiers, he calls them part construction worker, and that's what they were. In a day, they would be on a campaign through Gaul or Germany or somewhere, and they would get to where they're camping, and like that night, they would build a fort in one night. And then they would start adding things to it, and and it used to horrify the tribes who were fighting against them, how the Romans would just get there, and the the tribes would wake up in the morning, and there's a fort. How's there a fort? Did this come? Are these people gods? So Roman engineering is what it is. You're the Roman general, Silva. You got about 15,000 men at your disposal. You know they've only got about 1,000 up there in Masada. Only about 100 of which were actually fighting men. You've got to get up there so you begin to build the greatest ramp of all time. I don't know what I don't know what else to call it, Chris. The ramp ended up being 1,900 feet long, and from the floor to the top, 200 feet tall, getting you to the base of the fortress walls. And when I say ramp, I need to be clear that I'm not talking about the bike ramp you built out of plywood and cinder blocks in your backyard, which you wrecked on and got hurt as a kid. Oh, wait, that was me. I'm talking a ramp where it was solid because you had to march men and equipment, an entire army up it. It, They built it out of stone. They built it out of timber. It wasn't a ramp. It was a road. They built a road. There was only one path into Masada. It was impassable, so they built another one getting them up to the base of the walls. And once they got to the base of the walls with this road, and obviously the Sakari are, are firing on them the whole time, and it's a nightmare, and you're fighting them off, and they had to have fireproof little temporary walls they would put up to guard their construction workers as they built it. And it's this long, arduous process. And now you're at the base of the wall, only now, well, you're just at the base of the wall. All that work only got you to the base of the wall. Now what are you supposed to do? And this part, uh, I say this way too often. If I could go see one thing in human history, I swear this thing would be on the short list. They built a siege tower. 
Now, I'm going to describe some dimensions for you, and please don't let your eyes glaze over. I'm trying to put it in a way everybody can picture, even though these dimensions can be wildly off depending on the siege. I want you to picture a 20-foot square, 20 feet in all directions. Each wall is 20 feet long. Okay, you got it? A room that's 20 feet. That's a perfect way to picture it. Your bedroom. Picture your bedroom. Now picture your bedroom. The walls are there. And then there are stairs in your bedroom. They go up to a second floor above your bedroom where there's another bedroom of equal size. And then more stairs and another bedroom above that. And then more stairs and another bedroom above that. It is that. It is a vertical tower with rooms inside of it. Stairs inside of it. Little windows, little portholes out your bedroom at each floor so you can shoot arrows and ballistas, which are basically ancient big arrows, and other things out your siege tower. Oh, and did I mention it has to move because you can't build that thing at the base of the wall or it'll never get off the ground. You have to build this wall several, several, several floors high on wheels. And then once you get it on wheels, you then have to find a way to actually move it up your 1900 foot long ramp and even get it to the base of the mountain. And you have to do this while under fire and they did it. And this is maybe the coolest part. This is, this is my second favorite part of the story. It's the least creepy part. It's my second favorite part. They get the siege tower they built to the base of the wall They then swing open a door that's on the bottom floor of this siege tower, and inside the door is a massive battering ram suspended by cables and ropes. So now you have the siege towers all they can see, but you are able to pull this battering ram back and let it go to start slamming into the walls while your siege tower sits there. Is that not the coolest freaking thing you've ever heard in your entire life? That's awesome. That is that is amazing. It is flat out amazing. Only the Sakari know the game is up now, right? They're at the walls. Hey guys, we better give it up. Nah, that's not what they said. They said something else. Hang on. The Jesse Kelly Show. Eventually, the Romans knock down that wall and they storm Masada. And Romans, remember, we're talking 15,000 of them. They said it was about 5,000 regulars, about 10,000 auxiliary. And they've been here at the base of this crappy fortress in this crappy area because it is a crappy area. It's dry. It's arid. I mean, the Romans 
they could do it because they were Romans. It's part of what made their armies so great. But supplying their own people was not easy there. 15,000 men's a lot of mouths to feed, three squares a day, clean water, preventing disease. It's tough. But at least, at least if you're the Romans, you have a light at the end of the tunnel. And what is that light? Well, you get to rape and pillage and slaves. You get to sack a city. And I don't pretend to know what horrible things that does inside of a man to sack a city. I'm grateful I'll never know that. But there are multiple, endless accounts throughout history that when men are getting ready to sack a city, when an army is getting ready to sack a city, even their own commanders in many cases cannot hold them back, cannot stop them. I don't know. There's some kind of bloodlust thing there. Whatever it is, whatever floats your boat, buddy. In the same way I get excited for Red Lobster Cheddar Bay Biscuits, that's how excited most people got in history when they were getting the chance to rape and plunder a city. And do not forget those slaves. Slavery is a lovely buzzword these days. People use for a bunch of different things. But on top of the horror the slave goes through being a slave, in these times, slaves are money and a lot of it. Why do you think so many of these Roman generals and politicians marched off to war any chance they got? Because they got mega, mega rich off of it because of slaves. Slaves were big boy money. And if you didn't value the individual, as a quick side note here, which I hope you do, you should, but most of history didn't, if you didn't value an individual, if I didn't value Chris as a human being and he was my slave, that's not a bad life, is it? Go wax my car, bring me food, repave my driveway. Maybe I'll feed you. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll sell you. If you can own somebody to do whatever you want done, why do you think it was so popular? Because it sucked? It was popular because people enjoyed it. That's a horrible thing. It's true. And so you knew at least once you take this fortress, you're going to get rich because there are slaves in there. Men, women, and kids. And even though, yeah, we're probably going to massacre all the men, but we're going to have our way with the women and then sell them off and their kids as slaves. Except you forgot one thing. There are not normal people inside of this fortress. There are Sakari inside of this fortress. And the Sakari, once that battering ram started pounding on the walls, they made a decision. And that decision was simply this. They're not getting any of us. They're not taking a single one of us as slaves, which presents a little bit of a problem, doesn't it? If you're a Sakari and you're a committed Jew and you know you can't commit suicide, can you? So they found a little little loophole, a bit of a workaround, and they drew lots, essentially drew straws. Okay, well, look, we got about a 1,000 of us, can't commit suicide. What we need is 10 people to do all the killing. And they drew lots, picked 10 dudes, and they went around and slaughtered each and every one of their fellow men. 
And once you're down to 10 dudes, well, I mean, there's no reason for 10 of us to burn in hell and commit suicide. So let's draw lots again and pick one dude who goes and kills those 10. Well, nine. Now, picture that moment when they're all dead but you. Because this person existed in human history. This was a real experience somebody went through. Picture that moment when they're all dead. And now you, having witnessed the death of everything and everyone you've ever cared about, have to commit the ultimate sin. Ouch. He did it. The Romans walked into that fort and saw that. Now, that was the first of the Jewish-Roman wars. There were two more after that. So fast forward a little under 100 years. The Romans have had about enough of these freaking Jews. Remember I asked at the beginning, why are there Jews everywhere? The Romans finally decided, if I see another Jew in Jerusalem... They will die, and the Jews scattered to the winds. And that's why there are Jewish people all over the world. That's why Israel itself is so sacred to so many of them, because it's a return home. But the point of our story today, there are several points you can probably take from that, but it's the end. The Romans were so good at so many things, but man, were they outstanding, even if it took them time, at understanding how to deal with a problem. We can try this way, it doesn't work. We can try that way, it doesn't work. And finally, the Romans figured out, buddy, we are never going to have peace with these people unless we get each and every Jew out of Jerusalem. And they scattered them to the winds. The Romans understood how to deal with problems and would do the hard things in order to deal with said problems. You remember how Rome dealt with Carthage after the third freaking war with them? They burnt it to the ground, killed everybody, and salted the earth behind them, and Carthage never rose again. Three wars? Okay. I've had enough. We're going to wrap this up for good here. It can take time to figure out how to deal with problems. Big societal problems. It can take time to work it out. The Romans didn't figure it out in 30 seconds. This is about 100 years of wars and rebellions. But eventually, at some point in time, You and I and America and any other nation on earth, if it's facing a real threat to its existence, once you've exhausted all the other nice options, it is time to acknowledge you have got to take care of the root cause of the problem. For the Romans, with the Jews that were causing them headaches, it was the fact we let them around Jerusalem. Let's get these freaking people out of here. For us, right now in America, the root cause of our problem? You could probably find several of them right now. But the root cause of our problem is 
We have people who think government can help. We have people who genuinely think government can help. People who show way, way, way too much trust in a governor, a senator, a president, an expert. And why do you trust experts? Do you know why you trust them? Do you know why a a doctor in a lab coat stands up there and says something and you think, oh, man, that's uh, he must be right. It's not because you're stupid. I'll tell you why in just a second. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, get 10% off. Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Who is there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran Programs comprise their In the Line of Duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. Over 80 walks, runs, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. 
The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone-fueled again. Maximize your masculinity today at choq.com. Use the code JESSE for a massive discount on any Chalk subscription for life. choq.com, code JESSE. Limited time offer, subscription cancelable at any time. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that historically delivers sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information.